we make just one big choir? Instagram live today. Um, I don't always do that for my live streams, but I want this one to get out. I don't want you guys to comment as much as possible. So everyone on Instagram live, tune in, <laughs> send your chat questions and whatnot. Um, yeah, won't need, won't need these. It's going to be a good stream. I'm going to be talking about, uh, I guess I should introduce myself and then I'll talk about that. I am Sean Corey. Thank you for tuning in. Um, you can find all my stuff at SeanVPlanet.com. And Linktree slash Planet, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Planet for all my social links if you want to follow me on that stuff. Um, there's a donate page if you feel, if you can, <laughs> um, help a brother out. 
Um, follow me on my social links. Find all my all my blogs, my podcasts, all that kind of stuff. So making sure everything is good to go. I think it is. Um, yeah, got a new job. Finally got a big boy job doing construction stuff. So um, kind of sore, a little bit sore, a little bit achy. It also rained the last two days, so we didn't we weren't out there those two days. But um, yeah, it was quite a start to my new job. <laughs> we build like retaining walls. So it's pretty like physically demanding labor work. Um, pretty pretty physically demanding, but really interesting. Really interesting learning how all that stuff works. Um, becoming a man finally, like having a hands-on job where I'm learning like what wrenches are and stuff like that and all the stuff and the things um, like that. And um, what's going on, Andrew J, Liberty Zero. Sorry, that's not working for you, Zero. Hope it will. This is going to be a good stream. Robear, what's going on, my dude? Mama Earth Bear, thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good stream. So day one, go to work. It's awesome. Meeting the dudes. Working with like Christian country boys. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> We're putting in some like man labor, some man, some manpower work. And then um, day two, I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's get ready to work ready to work let's 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 learn some stuff day one was kind of easy kind of slow a lot of learning less of like the physically demanding work so day two i'm like all right we're doing this we're ready we're getting ready like have my coffee i get like a nice good stretch in i'm jamming to some some sea shanties on the way to work getting pumped up you know and then on my way i just go boom 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 like smack into this giant pothole and of course flat tire <laughs> one completely blown tire and another is like basically going flat as i was driving so of course i pull over to a church parking lot and um get out change the flat and of course drop the drop the car down and even the flat is or the spare tire is even flat so i have to call my boss who is by the way like a military drill sergeant he's literally a former marine drill sergeant so he does not play no games. <laughs> he keeps it very real. Very good guy, but keeps it very real. You know what I mean? Um, no excuses kind of guy. So that was a great impression to make on my second day. Like, hey, sorry, I can't come in. I have a flat tire. I really, I have two flat tires. <laughs> my spare is also flat. I have to go take care of all this. And uh, yeah, it was just a mess. So day two of man job got uh, put on pause. The crush, the crush got put on pause. And, um, but day three, I go in and I'm same thing. I'm ready to work. I'm like, now I have to really, really prove myself. I have to really work extra hard here and, uh, you know, kind of make up for that day off and our uh, machine kind of crapped out. So we were kind of just like standing around and like waiting and standing around and waiting. And they just kept being like, this is not usual. <laughs> You're getting real lucky on your first couple of days. This is not usual. And then the last two days rain out. So I haven't got a full taste yet of exactly what I'm doing, but it's going to be a lot of um, heavy manpower, heavy lifting of like blocks. Like we're literally picking up like 75 pound blocks and carrying them and putting them in place, raking gravel, digging dirt, like mud and dirt and stuff. So it's very physically demanding work. It's going to be awesome. It's going to build me some character. It's going to build up my tolerance, my skin tolerance to the Tennessee heat and the Tennessee cold. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a character building job. That's for sure. So I started that all as well next week, probably a lot of rain too. So we might not work, but as much as we can, we're going to get out there and we're going to crush my dudes at this new job. Um, thank you again, everyone on Instagram. That's awesome. Bulger bear, Robear, bear, mountain folk, Timmy, what's going on? 
Um, yeah, my girlfriend's in the chat. Set of Vacantist, my dude. All the homies are here. Liberty Zero, hope that works out for you and you can watch this. If not, watch the replay. Um, SeanVPlanet.com for the links. Linktree slash SeanVPlanet for the links. And yeah. Yeah. And Andrew J says, why can't I send lemons? You cannot send lemons because I'm a naughty boy, apparently, on DLive. And they have X tagged me. And apparently X tagged people can't make money. Even though I had nothing at all to do with the Capitol protests. <laughs> I was at work in uh, Nashville, Tennessee when the uh, protests were happening. I also condemned them. I also said it was silly and foolish for them to do that. I knew it was a trap from, from day one, from, from weeks before when everyone was hyping it up. Um, condemned it, condo condoned it. Uh, what's the opposite of condoning? Is that just condemning? Condemned, the, condemned it all. Said it, was, said it was a big waste of time and it was likely a setup, and of course it actually was. And yeah, even though still, I'm just a little controversial, I guess, for um, preaching the gospel truth <laughs> to people on DLive gets me X-tagged. Um, so yeah, I cannot receive your lemons. If you do want to donate, I think it's donorbox.org slash Planet, or you can find the link to that on um, uh, Linktree. Slash Sean V Planet. If you really, if you really feel inclined to help a brother out, um, pay for my flannel shirts and my work boots. Now that I have a big boy job, <laughs> now that I have a big boy construction job. But yeah, happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Everyone, thank you, thank you for tuning in again. Everyone, that's awesome on Instagram and on D Live and on YouTube. I'm on Periscope and Trovo and Twitch. Never actually works, but I'm on there too, apparently. And yeah, no OnlyFans. Sorry, I'm not on OnlyFans, guys. You can't support me that way. Um, but speaking of OnlyFans, happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Uh, <laughs> if you are married, if you are in a committed, loving relationship, go make some babies this weekend, you know? Go um, be fruitful and multiply and go repopulate this earth with good, loving, and beautiful souls. And yeah, that's that. You, you get good at construction, then you won't have to work for anybody. Yeah. The plan is to do this job for about a year or two. Even though these guys seem really cool, my bosses are awesome. They're like really good, capable people. They're the kind of bosses that like don't just bark out orders and yell. They're like very demanding and they're, they know what they're doing. And they're the first ones that like grab shovels and help you out. So it's one of those, one of those, when you see that meme where it's like a good leader stands in front of the line and helps pull. And a bad leader like stands in the back of the line with a whip and tells people to pull. He's definitely one of those leaders. He's definitely like, I'll, I'm, I'm doing this. You're only here to help me. <laughs> I'm the worker here. You're here to help me. I'll teach you. I'll, I'll teach you everything you need to know. And he'll be right there in the trenches with you. Really good boss. Really awesome boss. I could see myself working for this guy for a very long time. Like very long time. But this job in itself, I want to work for about a year or two, learn all the skills, learn all the, all the tricks, learn, um, build some character, build some strength, some uh, perseverance in my, in my heart, in my gut. And uh, eventually I'm going to go and move my way into being like a carpenter's apprentice. Car carpenter's apprentice. And I might do some arborism, <laughs> some arborism, some arborisms. Um, I want to try to be an arborist for maybe next summer. But uh, long-term plan is to become a carpenter. So I'm going to ease my way into that. I'm doing this for the construction skills and to learn how to be a man. And then the next job I want potentially is to be like a landscaper or an arborist. 
just so I know how to like cut trees and stuff like that. Um, so the future homesteading plans, I have the skills ready for that. And um, but long term, I want to ease my way into being a carpenter. So um, yeah, exactly. Stacking stones to build castles, says Mr. Dales. Exactly. That's exactly the point. I'm learning how to build walls and make like basically like bricklaying and masonry right now during this job, learning how erosion works, learning how to like, like actually build sound structures, um, like how to, how to secure things with strength, like the process of securing and strengthening walls and um, um, stone, stonework, stone masonry. And then I want to move on to like um, landscaping and potentially like, like, like farming, if that would be a good job, if it was like a farming job. But primarily tree work. Um, when I homestead, I feel like there's going to be a lot of trees, tree working, chopping wood, cutting down trees, clearing land, that sort of thing. So the next two jobs is this one, this, this bricklaying, the stone masonry, this, yeah, stacking stones to build castles experience, um, building walls just in general, how to build and fortify walls and retention walls specifically. And how to move water, how to erode water and move water around on landscapes. And then move into arborist so I can know how to cut down trees and tame the land. <laughs> tame the land around me. And then eventually, long term, I want to ease into being a carpenter. So that's the plan right now, my dudes. But this job right now, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, chainsaws and chippers. Oh, yeah. Got to learn, learn how to use chainsaws and chippers. And... Um, yeah, butcher would be cool. Yeah, Andrew says, thinking of a side hustle job as a butcher this summer. That would be pretty dope, being a butcher. Um, that's pretty. That's some skilled labor for sure. <laughs> that's some useful homestead labor for sure. And if you can get paid while you learn the skills, that's the key. Get one of these jobs, even if it's, even if it's tough, even if it's difficult, build some character up while you get paid. Um, that would be great. Like being a butcher and learning all the tricks of that trade while also making a paycheck. That's good. Not having to go to school, not having to like spend your free time learning about it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's sick. So yeah, we're building walls this summer. Right now, this this the end of the winter into the spring and through the summer, and then maybe in the fall or next winter, I'm gonna try to be like an arborist, potentially. Maybe stick this job out if it's just such a good job, which I think it will be. And maybe next spring and summer, I'll be an arborist or a landscaper for real and learn those trades. And then my plan is probably in 2022, like summer or fall or winter, become a carpenter and just do that for the rest of my life and learn how to build all the stuff and the things and um, have that be my career path. But until then, I want to learn some, learn some skills, learn some trades along the way and get paid while I do so. So yeah, keep sending me chats and questions. I'll get to them. But today, I should get to it instead of keep rambling about this stuff. <laughs> Today we are talking about an awesome book by A.W. Tozer. Um, the more I ask people who are like kind of into theology, they've all read this book. They all love this book. It's amazing. I can't re recommend you actually getting a copy and reading it yourself. It's like um, there's also like a bunch of different like this was my little copy. There's a bunch of different like sizes and covers. There's like I've seen like probably 10 different covers. Like I don't know why, but Tozer books, there seems to be a lot of different um, covers out there for it. So. It doesn't necessarily look like this, but just find the book, The Pursuit of God. Let's see if I can do that. That and there. Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer. Pursuit of God. I'm on Instagram and live, and my D live streams, my, my everything streams. So sorry if my eyes are going up and down at the two different cameras going right now, guys. 
But yeah, A.W. Tozer, awesome based Christian writer. I believe he was a Catholic. If not, he was like some kind of Catholic adjacent. But really based guy, really awesome guy, really holy God, man of God guy, you know. So we're talking about this book, Pursuit of God, today. Um, we're going to sort of go through the whole book. Um, so get a copy and read it yourself because it's going to have a lot more insights and a lot more explanation. And he's just a really amazing writer in general. And today we're just going to kind of go through most of the important parts, um, read some read some awesome quotes that are found throughout the book, and discuss some of like the themes and the topics Um Mixed in with my own opinions here. So this isn't just reading the book through. <laughs> it's kind of mixed in with my writing, my thoughts along the way. But it's going to also be a lot of the quotes and a lot of the topics he brings up. Um, again, if you guys have questions, comments, topics, um, send them live here in the chat. Instagram, I'm on DLive, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Periscope, I'm on Trovo. Um, I'm on Twitch, but Twitch never works. So I don't really go there as a reliable streaming <laughs> source to find me. But yeah, I'll try to get to all your questions. So speaking of which, I got some in the Instagram. Ron's World, thank you, my dude. Thank you, everyone. Mr. Blue, Timmy again, Bulger Bear, Roe Bear, Mama Earth Bear. Bears are showing up. Set of Acanthus in the chat. Lauren in the chat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Trovo used to be the exclusive chat, but uh, I don't know what happened right now today, um, set of Acantus, but you are showing up in my multi-feed chat thing. So um, they fixed it or something happened. Some kind of bug fix happened and you're now showing up in my main chat feed. Um, yeah. Ron's World, coming in hot with some comments on Instagram. He says, I laugh out loud, laugh out loud. I feel bad for you your, you poor white people. So many opportunities out there. There's no reason to be more special if you're white. Poor. No reason to be poor. <laughs> no reason to be poor. Yeah. I mean, there's always jobs out there if you if you, if you want to work for it. That was the toughest thing with like work, trying to work and like help with um, homeless people in San Diego is there's like so many jobs for them and they just don't do it they would rather just beg for money on the street and like do drugs and sleep in cardboard boxes it's a little different with homeless people in like other cities i'm sure where it's like actually cold like they actually probably do just want a job and they're just so mentally gone that they can't keep the job they're so undisciplined that they can't keep jobs or you know, they're just so, um, like their record's so bad. Maybe they've been fired a lot or they've been evicted a lot or their credit score is enormous, like horribly bad or they have some kind of like criminal record that's preventing them from getting jobs. There's stuff like that that's legit excuses. Um, but in San Diego, just working with homeless people, there's so many and most of them just want to be homeless. It's very comfortable in San Diego. I mean, relatively comfortable to be homeless in San Diego. You'll see homeless people with cell phones smoking weed um, with funny signs and people will still drop them $20 bills in their cups. Um, I was a, I was a barista at a coffee shop and, um, to different coffee shops. Like I worked at Starbucks and I also worked at some local chains and multiple times I had homeless people like come in and basically brag about how they made more money than me. You know, as I'm working like a stressful eight hour shifts to make people lattes and food and pastries and stuff like that and clean and do all this hard work for like $12 an hour or something, or like $14 an hour, which doesn't really go a long way in San Diego. I mean, it goes some, it goes enough, but it doesn't go a long way, that kind of wage. 
Um, and homeless people would come in saying they would make like $30 an hour just having a funny sign or wearing like a, like a military garb and saying that they're veterans and getting like $20 bills dropped in their cup. So yeah, a lot of times it's like hard to have sympathy for those people because why would they get a job when they could just put a sign that says, um, I'm a homeless vet, anything helps. And then they get like $20, $30 an hour in just straight up cash, just straight up cash right into their pocket. And then they can just walk into coffee shops and charge their cell phones for free. So there's a lot of people like that that, um, you know, yeah, no sympathy for those people. <laughs> no sympathy for those kind of people. You know, they'll get what they deserve. God, at the end, at the end of the day, God will judge them. God will have his wrath and, and have his vengeance. But um, there is also like, like stuff that legitimately prevents people from working. So yeah, there is a lot of jobs out there. I mean, especially in Nashville, it's such a booming town right now. Everything's being built and like everything is like having like a lot of constructions taking place. A lot of like man work is being is, is taking place so if you're like a physically capable like young man like fairly physically capable man you could move to nashville and find jobs you know the only thing that would stop you would be like a bad record if you made mistakes in your past any kind of like addiction problem character issues like if you just have no discipline in your life um there's stuff like that that might prevent you from like keeping a good job but there is work out there like there is work, but the problem is, are you able to do it? Can you do it? Can you even like legally get that job? Or are you going to physically be able to handle that job? But yeah, there is a lot of work out there. Rant over about that. <laughs> I don't know if he's trying to roast me or not, but Ron's World says, hard to have sympathy, pretty white man without muscles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> muscles. Got the pit stain going. But, um... Yeah, I'm pretty strong. I don't know if you can see me. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, stronger than most. Let's put it that way. I go to the gym and I'm stronger than most. There's a few chads that come in that like out, out bench me and stuff. But um, yeah, my squat's pretty insane and my bench is pretty big. Not to brag. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying like I'm not weak if that looks like that in the camera. I'm fat. I mean, I got some, I got some gut to lose, but <laughs> definitely strong. Yeah. Um yeah twitch is acting up yeah twitch always acts up i might i might just even take myself off twitch i don't know it's a matter of time before i get banned anyways twitch will ban people for the slightest offense i'm pretty sure it's just literally run by satan <laughs> top down so yeah i'm pretty sure twitch is not a good um i'm gonna be kicked off twitch eventually long term and it seems to never actually work sometimes the audio works and the video won't sometimes the video works but it's really choppy and i think today it's not even working at all so I might just pull myself off of Twitch. No, they prefer the drugs. Yeah, a lot of homeless people, especially in California, they just prefer the drugs. They just want cash. They just want cash in their cups so that they can go buy drugs and have fun. I mean, you'll walk down the street by, with people just living in filth. Like they're dirty. They, they haven't cut their hair. They haven't washed anything in a while. And they're living on a cardboard box. And they are like also like checking their cell phone, their smartphone cell phone and smoking a doobie. You know? It's hard to have like sympathy for people like that. Like it's hard to give them money and have sympathy for some of those people. The problem is not all of them are like that. So it's easy to generalize. It's easy to say, you know, oh, they're just going to go buy drugs. They're just going to go buy alcohol if I give them money. Like there are some people that legitimately would, they would love to just have a job and they can't for some reason. For like an actually, actually good reason, not just I want to get high reason. Um, I want to be lazy reason. So yeah, it's tough. You can't generalize, but you also can't fall for the trip. 
fall for the traps, you know. Um, thing about panhandlers is the, the more you give them money, um, the more they keep panhandling, and the less they actually get their life together. It's a catch-22. It's like you want to help these people, but sometimes helping them is the worst thing you can do. Um, so, yeah. Rant over about homeless people. I don't know if you're talking about that today. <laughs> and I'm going to get started because this is going to be an awesome stream. Um, what, 25 minutes in? <laughs> Finally. All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, because this is amazing. This is a lot of base material, and it's primarily focused for Christians. So if you're not actually a Christian yourself, a lot of this is going to sound like nonsense and garbage. But if you are a Christian, listen up. And uh, I do recommend you read the book yourself, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, because um, this is going to be a compilation of quotes, phrases, concepts, and my own thoughts mixed together about this book. It is an amazing read if you ever want to dig deeper into it. It has a lot of important concepts and discussion points that every Christian should spend some time considering and working through. So I'm going to be doing a lot of reading today, too. This is like a, this is like a planned out reading stream, so sorry if my eyes are uh, focused and glued in. But we as American Christians need to start putting in more effort into our spiritual growth. Putting more effort into our spiritual growth. Not just incrementally but constantly and often, constantly and repetitively <laughs> during every single moment. We must start focusing our lives and our spirit upon the Lord and his kingdom. And as the title and premise of this book proclaims, we must start pursuing God with all of our hearts, souls, and might. This book is, quote, a masterly study of the inner life by a heart thirsting after God. Are you thirsting after God? And this might be the book for you. It is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. And unless and until the hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having just heard the truth. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of all their hearts. Before a man can seek God, God must have first sought the man. Before any man can seek God, God must have first sought the man. Psalm 63, 8 reads, My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. Yeah. It's so, so, so real, so true. Before any man, before any person um, can seek God, God must have first sought them. Before a sinful man can think a right thought of God, there must have been a work of enlightenment done within him. We pursue God because and only because he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. The impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. And all the time we are pursuing him, we are already in his hand. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Psalm 42 states that 
as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. The whole transaction of religious conversion has been made mechanical and spiritless by our modern culture. Christ may be received, quote, received without creating any special love for him in the soul of the receiver. The man is saved, quote, the man is, quote, saved, but he is not hungry or thirsting after God. In fact, he is specifically taught to be satisfied and encouraged to be content with a little. He's not hungry or thirsting after God. He is taught to be satisfied and content. But being made in God's image, we all, all have within us the capacity to know him. The moment the spirit has quickened us to life in regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship to our heavenly father and leaps upwards in joyous recognition. That is the heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. How tragic that we in this dark day have had our seeing done for us by our teachers. I'll say that again. How tragic that we in this dark day have had our seeing done for us by our teachers. Everything is made to center upon the initial act of accepting Christ. Quote, accepting Christ, which, by the way, is not a term found in the Bible at all. And we are not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation of God to our souls. We have been saved in the coils of a spurious logic, which insists that if we have found him, we need no seek him. We need no more seek him. This mighty longing after God must be deliberately encouraged. This mighty longing must be encouraged, since the lack of that longing has brought us to our present low estate. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. The growing shallowness of our inner experience, the hollowness of our worship, and the servile imitation of the world which marks our promotional methods all testify that we, in this modern age, know God only imperfectly and know the peace of God scarcely at all. O oh God, show me thy glory. We must now strip down to essentials, simplify our approach, Put away our efforts to impress and come before him with the guileless candor, guileless candor of childhood. We must become children again. Be spiritually innocent in the presence of our true father. And if we do this, he will surely respond quickly and powerfully. There is little that we need in life other than God himself. There is little that we need in life other than God himself. We can afford, we can well afford to make God our all, to concentrate, to sacrifice the many for the one, for the man 
who has God for his treasure, has all things in one. All things in one. Whatever material rewards he may lose, he has, he has, I'm going to say that again, <laughs> getting tongue-tied. Whatever material rewards he may lose, he has actually lost nothing of value at all. For now he has it all in one, and he has it purely, legitimately, and forever. Purely, legitimately, and forever. Did I just go offline for some reason? Yep. All right, we're back on. We're back on. Send me your questions. Um, all right, I'll move along. I think this is working. I think this is working. If not, the replay is. <laughs> so we're going to move along because I'm, I'm going to need to do a lot of reading here. I don't want to keep you guys all day. Um, Matthew 5.3 states, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Before God made man upon the earth, he first prepared for him by creating a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustenance. These were simply called things. They were made for man's uses, but they were always to be external to the man and subservient to him. T.R. Dale says banana. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. I do believe that means we are working live here. In the deep heart of the man was a shrine. In the deep heart of the man was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Within the man was God, without a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. But sin has introduced complications and has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart, things have taken over. We find ourselves naturally in a state of spiritual trouble. We find ourselves naturally in a state of spiritual trouble. We have an urge to fill our empty hearts. Without God in our hearts, we replace him with the things we begin to covet and idolize. And we tend to do so with a deep and fierce passion that should be put towards our Father and His will. Our things have become necessary to us. Our things have become necessary to us. A development never originally intended. In our hearts, God's gifts for us often take the place of God Himself. In our hearts, God's gifts for us often take the place of God himself. God's son said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. 
and whosoever, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. There is an enemy inside of us when God isn't. To allow this enemy to live within us is in the end to lose everything. There is an enemy inside of us when God is not. To allow this enemy to live within us is in the end to lose everything. The way to deeper knowledge of God is through the lonely valleys of soul poverty and a rejection of all things. The blessed ones are the blessed ones who possess the kingdom are they who have repudiated every external thing and have rooted from their hearts all sense of possessing. These blessed poor are no longer slaves to the tyranny of things. These blessed poor are no longer slaves to the tyranny of things. They have broken the yoke of the oppressor and they have done this not by fighting, but by surrendering. Though free from all sense of possessing, they yet possess all things. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Become a man now <laughs> that is wholly surrendered. Now go do it. Become a man who is wholly surrendered. A man utterly obedient, a man who possesses no thing, a man truly who has everything when he possesses nothing. This doesn't mean to throw everything away and sleep on the streets like a homeless peddler, panhandler. This does not mean to throw everything away and sleep on the streets, but it does mean to view all of your things as temporary, useful to you currently, and not yours or necessary to your life. Even your own children must be viewed as the property of God. Even your children must be viewed as the sole property of God, with you being the temporary provider and protector of them, not actually your property or possessions of your own self. We are often hindered from giving up our treasures to the Lord out of fear for their safety, especially when those treasures are loved, family, and friends. But we need have no such fears. Our Lord came not to destroy, but to save. Everything is safe which we commit to him, and nothing is really safe which is not so committed everything is safe which we commit to him and nothing is really safe which is not so committed yeah i'm telling you this book packs a punch <laughs> this book packs a punch Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> ranting in the live chat. I like it. <laughs> ranting on the Instagram feed. We're moving right along. Removing the veil. This is so crucial. Removing the veil. The great Augustine once wrote, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. God made us for himself. That is the only explanation that satisfied the heart of a thinking man, whatever his wild reason may be. He meant for us to see him. He meant for us to see him, live with him, and draw our life from his smile. But we have been guilty of that foul revolt, and ever since we have become broken away from God. We have ceased to obey him or love him, and in guilt and in fear have fled as far as possible from his presence. The life of man upon this earth is a life away from the presence. But the whole work of God in redemption is to undo the tragic efforts of that foul revolt and to bring us back again into the right internal relationship with himself. Our sins must be disposed of satisfactorily. Reconciliation must be effected and the way open for us to return again in conscious communion with God and to live again in the presence as before. The first comes to our notice when our restless hearts feel a yearning for the presence of God, and we say within ourselves, I will arise and go to my Father. This is the first step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a first step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a first step. The world is perishing for a lack of knowledge of God, and the church is famishing for want of his presence. God is spirit, and only the spirit of man can know him really. In the deep spirit of a man, the fire must glow or his love is not the true love of God. Until we are truly reunited with our creator, a veil is covering our hearts a veil still shutting out the light and holding the face of God from us. It is the veil of our fleshly, fallen nature living on, unjudged within us, uncrucified, and unrepudiated. We have to look in our own hearts and we shall see it there, an enemy to our lives and an effective block to our spiritual progress. This veil is not a beautiful thing, and it is not a thing we commonly care to talk about, but must be addressed to the thirsting souls who are determined to follow God. The urge of God within them will assure their continuing the pursuit. They will face the facts, however unpleasant, and endure the cross for the joy set before them. This inner veil is woven of the fine threads of the self-life, our self-sins, which are self-righteous, self-pity, self-confidence, self-sufficiency, self-admiration, self-love, 
and a host of others like them. They dwell deep within us and are too much a part of our natures to come to our attention until the light of God is truly focused upon them. One should suppose that proper instruction in the doctrines of men's depravity and the necessity for the justification through the righteousness of Christ alone would deliver us from the power of the self-sins, but it does not work that way. It is not so simple and easy. Self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. It can be removed only in a spiritual experience, never by mere instruction or through imitation. Let us beware of trying to use our own strength, our own knowledge, or our own selves to conquer the veil of the self. Of ourselves, we can do nothing, and God alone is the cause of our life. Our part is to yield and to trust. Our part is to yield and to trust. We must confess, forsake, repudiate the self-life, and then reckon it crucified. But we must be careful to distinguish lazy acceptance from the real, true work of God. We must insist upon the work being done. We must obey and serve him, truly. Insist that the work be done in full truth and it will be done. The cross is rough and it is deadly, but it is effective. It does not keep its victim hanging there forever. There comes a moment when its work is finished and the suffering victim dies. After that is resurrection glory and power. The pain is forgotten for joy. A joy that the veil is taken away and that we have entered into actual spiritual experience with the presence of the living God. To most people, God is an inference, not a reality. How do we apprehend God? Apprehending God. To most people, God is an inference, not a reality. He is a deduction from evidence which they consider adequate, but he remains personally unknown to the individual. Some know him, some know him only through hearsay, and they have only heard about him from others. To many others, God is only an ideal another name or concept for beauty, goodness, or truth. These notions about God are many and varied, but they who hold them have one thing in common. They do not know God in personal experience. The possibility of intimate acquaintance with him has not entered their hearts or minds. While admitting his existence, they do not know him. While admitting his existence, they do not know him. For many millions of Christians, God is no more real than he is to the non-Christian. They go through life trying to love an idea and remain loyal to a mere principle. God can, can, God can be known in personal experience, and I am a living example of that. 
Me. <laughs> Me. I am a living, breathing, talking example of this. Men can and do know God with at least some degree of immediacy, just as they know any other person or thing in the field of experienced. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. My sheep hear my voice. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We have in our hearts the physical and spiritual means by which we can know God, our Creator, certainly, just as we know material things through our five senses. We apprehend the physical world by exercising the faculties given to us for the purpose, and we possess spiritual faculties by means of which we can know God and the spiritual world if we will obey the Spirit's urge and begin to use them. The spiritual faculties of the unregenerate man lie asleep in his nature, unused and for every purpose dead, caused by sin. They may be quickened to life again by the operation of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. One of the immeasurable benefits which come to us through Christ's atoning work on the cross. A spiritual kingdom lies all around us. All around us, at all moments, every moment, a spiritual kingdom lies around us, enclosing us, embracing us, all together within reach of our inner selves, waiting for us to recognize it. God himself is here waiting our response to his presence. God himself is here with us at all times, in all of our moments, waiting our response to his presence. The, this eternal world comes alive to us. All, <laughs> all of us. This eternal world comes alive the moment we begin to reckon upon its reality. For the Christian all beliefs are practical, not philosophical. They are geared into his life. By them he lives or dies, stands or falls for this world and for all time to come. Materialists and intellectuals know that the world is real, that they exist consciously and did not think this life into being. They know the happenings around them, feel the sensory stuff coming into contact with their bodies. They hear the sounds of nature and the cries of human joy and pain. These they know are real. So they live and rejoice in a world of reality. With their five senses, they engage this world. All things are necessary to their physical existence they're apprehended by the faculties with which they have been equipped by their maker who created and placed them in such a world as this. But God also is real. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. God also is real. In the absolute and final sense that nothing else is. All other reality is contingent upon his. The great reality is God, the author of all creation.
created things, including ourselves. God has objective existence independent of and apart from any notions which we have concerning him. The worshiping heart does not create its object. It finds him here when he wakes, when it wakes from its moral slumber. Faith creates nothing. It simply reckons upon that which is already there. God and the spiritual world are real. We can reckon upon them with as much assurance as we reckon upon the familiar world around us. Our trouble is that we have established bad thought habits. We habitually think of the visible world as real and doubt the reality of any other. We do not deny the existence of the spiritual world, but we doubt that it is real in the accepted meaning of the word. Sin has so clouded the lenses of our hearts that we cannot see that other reality, the city of God, shining around us at all times. The world of sense triumphs in our mind. The visible becomes the enemy of the invisible, of the temporal, of the eternal. That is the curse inherited by every member of Adam's tragic race. Every member of Adam's tragic race. At the root of Christian life lies belief in the invisible. The object of the Christian's faith is unseen reality. The spiritual is real, just often unseen or unknown to those full of sin. We must shift our interest from the seen to the unseen, for the great unseen reality is God. This is the basic life of faith. If we truly want to follow God, if we truly want to follow God in his right ways, we must seek to be otherworldly. We must avoid the common fault of pushing the other world into the future. It is not something in the future. It is our present, our always. It parallels our familiar physical world. And the doors between the two worlds are open. We just need to build up the strength courage and clarity to walk through to the other side the soul has eyes to see and ears to hear use them obedience to the word of christ and trust in the logos of god will bring an inward revelation of the godhead step forward now now do it through true submission, a new God consciousness will seize upon us all and we shall begin to taste and hear and see and inwardly feel the God who is our life and our all. There will be seen the constant shining of the light that lighteth every man that enters into this world. More and more as our faculties grow sharper and more sure, as our blindness is cleared away by the forgiveness of our sins, God will become to us the great all, the great all, and his presence will become the true glory and wonder of our lives. All right.
and an Instagram because it seems like it's tweaking out. Also, I think my live chat's tweaking out, so I don't even know if you guys can see this right now. Live. Send me another banana in the chat <laughs> if this is working live. But, yeah, I think all my live chats went down. Spreading too much truth about God for the internet to um, just let me let me go. Walk in the presence of the Lord and you shall be attacked by wicked and evil forces. T.R. Dales. Thank you, my dude. Mr. Dales. Let's talk about the universal presence. Got some more reading here. Probably about another, another like 20 minutes, half hour. Sermon time. <laughs> it's sermon time. Let's talk about the universal presence. God dwells in his creation and is everywhere indivisibly present in all his works. God is here. Wherever we are, God is here. There is no place. There can be no place where he is not. He, there is nowhere God is not. He is all. For in the beginning, God. <laughs> Servant time, said of Acantus. In the beginning, God. In the end, God. He is the uncaused cause of all matter, mind and logos. Lagos, for you, uh, <laughs> for those of you who are picky about the phrasing of Koine, Koine Greek, um, Lagos, he is the uncaused cause of all matter, mind, and Lagos. Men tend to not know that God is here. What a difference it would make <laughs> to them individually and to the world entirely, if only they knew right set of right tr all my dudes what a difference it would make if only we knew that god is here the presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same god is here when we are unaware of it doesn't matter if you're aware or not doesn't matter if you want to admit it or not god is here he is manifest only when we when and as we are aware of his presence. On our part, there must be surrender to the spirit of God. If we co cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will manifest himself to us and will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the life of him. God will manifest himself to us when you are obedient to the Spirit. Let any man, all of them, all the men, all the women, let them all turn now towards God. Let him begin to exercise himself unto godliness. Let him seek to develop his powers of spiritual receptivity by trust and obedience and humility, and those results will exceed anything he may have hoped for. Mr. Dale says that's the hard part, so much doubt. I know. 
<laughs> Set of Acanthus, the true observer effect sans quantum nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let all the men, let all the women turn now towards God. Let him now begin to exercise himself unto godliness. Let him seek to develop his powers of spiritual receptivity by trust and obedience and humility. And those results will exceed anything he may have hoped for. Any man who by repentance and a sincere return to God will break himself out of the mind in which he has been held and will go to the Bible itself for his spiritual standards, will be delighted with what he finds there. The universal presence is a fact. God is here. The universal presence is a fact. God is here. God's not dead. The whole universe is alive with his life, and he is no strange or foreign God, but the familiar Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose love has for these thousands of years unfolded the sinful race of men. And always he is trying to get our attention, to reveal himself to us, to communicate with us. We have within us the ability to know him if we will but respond to his overtures. We will know him in increasing degree as our receptivity becomes more perfect by faith and love and patience. God is here. Yep. The obedience is key. <laughs> the veil will be lifted when you are obedient. Can't serve two masters. You can serve good or you can serve evil. You can serve right, you can serve wrong. You can serve God, you can serve the devil. But you must serve one. So be obedient and subservient to your creator, to the one who loves you, to the one who is alive in all of his creation, all, of, all around you at all times. Because now we're going to get into the speaking voice. And God is speaking. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. God is speaking. Not God spoke, but God is speaking. He fills the word. He fills the world with his speaking voice. The voice of God is the most powerful force in nature. Indeed, the only force in nature. For all energy is here only because the power-filled word is being spoken. God spoke and creation happened. The Bible is the written word of God. And because it is written, it is confined and limited by the necessities of ink and paper and leather. The voice of God, however, is alive and free as the sovereign God is free. God's word in the Bible can have power 
only because it corresponds to God's word in the universe. God's word in the Bible can have power only because, only because it corresponds to God's word in the universe. It is the present voice which makes the written word all powerful. The present voice which makes the written word all powerful. The word or the logos, the logos of God is quick and powerful. In the beginning, he spoke to nothing and it became something. It became everything, in fact. Chaos heard it and became order. Darkness heard it and became light. God said, and it was so. He spoke, he breathed, it became, it was good. God's logos is everything. God's logos is everything. Whoever will listen will hear the speaking heaven. Listening is not today a part of popular religion. Oh no, <laughs> no it is not. Listening is not today a part of popular religion. We are currently at the opposite end of that poll. Religion has accepted the monstrous heresy that noise, size, activity, and bluster make a man dear to God. But God says, be still and know that I am God. God tells us to be still and know that I am God. A key lesson spoken to us to make clear that our strength and safety lie not in the noise, but in the silence. Our strength and safety lies not in the noise, but in the silence. Being still, silent, alone, and waiting may draw us near to God, allowing us to hear him speak to us in our hearts. His voiceless voice within our hearts and connected to our souls is heard in our own personal silence and patience. The Bible will never be a living book to us until we are convinced that God is articulate in his universe. Otherwise, we think of God as mute everywhere, else, everywhere else, everywhere, and vocal only in a book. We think of God as mute everywhere and vocal only in a book. Most mistakenly think that a silent God suddenly began to speak in a book and when that book was finished, lapsed back into silence forever. Now we read the book as a record of what God said when he was for a brief time in a speaking mood. With notions like that, how can one truly believe? With notions like that, how can one truly believe? That God once spoke and will never speak again. How can one truly believe? The truth is that God is not silent has never been silent, and it is the nature of God to speak. 
The Bible is just the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. Not a book once spoken, not a book once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. Not a book once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. It is more than a thing. It is a voice. It is a voice, a word, the very word of the living God. The very active living word of the living God, our creator, our true father in heaven. The gazing of the soul. <laughs> yeah. I could end there. I could just end there, right? That's that's powerful, isn't it? That's something your preachers won't tell you. That's something your your masked your face masked preachers won't tell you. The gaze of the soul. Hebrews twelve two, chapter twelve, verse two reads Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our fate. This is where we start to really get good, boys. Dig in. This is where we start to really get good. There is no denying the spiritual principles behind the recorded history of God's dealings with men, which are woven into the writings of holy men, and they were moved by the Holy Ghost. While reading throughout the Bible, one must observe certain truths standing out in many of the pages high up on the list of things which the bible teaches teachers will be the doctrine of faith teaches messed up spelling mistake guys sorry there is no denying the spiritual principles behind the recorded history of god's dealings with men which were woven into the writings of holy men and they were moved by the holy ghost High up on the list of things which the Bible teaches will be the doctrine of faith. The doctrine of faith. The place of weighty importance which the Bible gives to faith will be too plain for any to miss. To which that man may likely conclude that faith is an all-important faith is all-important in the life of the soul. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith will get me anything, take me anywhere in the kingdom of God, but without faith, there can be no approach to God, no forgiveness, no deliverance, no salvation, no communion, no spiritual life at all. Now, if faith is so vitally important, if it is indispensable, if it is an indispensable must in our pursuit of God, it is perfectly natural that we should be deeply concerned over whether or not we possess this most precious gift. Our silly little minds will sooner or later begin to inquire after the nature of faith. What is faith anyways? 
do I even have it? If faith is so important, are you sure you have it? Those who preach and write about the subject of faith typically say the same things. They tell us that it is believing in a promise, that it is taking God at his word, that it is reckoning the Bible to be true and stepping out upon it. The rest of those books and sermons are usually filled with stories of people who have had their prayers answered as a result of their faith. But in the scriptures, there's practically no effort made to define faith outside of a few brief words in Hebrews 11, 1, chapter 11, verse 1. But there seems to be no biblical definition, only attempts to define it functionally, not philosophically, which end up being what faith is operationally and not what it is in essence. Scriptures about faith assume the presence of faith and shows what it results in rather than what it actually is. We are told where faith comes from and by what means. Faith is a gift of God. And we should rather seek to exercise faith anyways than, our place, than place our focus on knowing what the definition is. Jesus tells people directly how they may be saved, and it is by believing. We must look for righteous living with our external heart and believe in it inwardly with our hearts. Jesus taught that he wrought his works by always keeping his inward eyes upon his Father. His power lay in his continuous, continuous look at God. His power lay in his continuous look at God. We are instructed by the Hebrew epistle to run life's race. Paul tells us to run life's race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. From all this, we learn that faith is not a once-done act. Faith is not a once-done act, but a continuous gaze of the heart at the triune God. A continuous, a continuous gaze of the heart towards God. Believing, then, is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. Believing is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. It is lifting the mind to behold the Lamb of God and never ceasing that beholding for the rest of our lives. This may be difficult at first, but becomes much easier as we look steadily at his wondrous person, quietly and without strain. Be still and know that he is God. There will be distractions in life. Oh yes, there will be distractions in this life. But once a heart is committed to him, there will only be returns to his presence whenever one is fooled into looking away. For while we are looking at God, we do not see ourselves or the evils that take place 
in this temporary world, our temporary home. Those who struggle to purify themselves and has had nothing but repeated failures will experience the real relief they're longing for when they stop tinkering with their souls and look away from their own lives and focus upon the perfect one. While they look at Christ, the very things that they have so long been trying to accomplish will be. It will be God working in and through them to will and to do. Faith is merely a redirecting of our sight. Faith is merely a redirecting of our sight. A getting out of the focus of our own vision and getting God, our Father, into focus. Sin has twisted our vision inward and made it self-regulating. Sin has twisted our vision inward and made it self-regulating. And unbelieving has put self where God should be. True faith is looking out instead of in. True faith is looking out instead of in. And when accomplished, the whole life falls into line. When we lift our inward eyes to gaze upon God, we are sure to meet friendly eyes gazing back at us. Oh, you will. <laughs> oh, you will meet friendly eyes gazing right back at you. For when the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right here and now on earth. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. When the eyes of your soul begin looking out, the eyes of your father, your true father, when you meet the eyes of your true father looking in, heaven on earth will be upon you. Now, now, <laughs> if faith is the gaze of the heart at God, and if this gaze is but the raising of the inward eyes to meet the all-seeing eyes of God, then it follows that it is one of the easiest things possible to do. One of the easiest things possible to do. It would be like God. It would be like God to make the most vital thing easy and place it within the range of possibility for the weakest and poorest of us. There is simplicity in finding, knowing, loving, and being with our Creator. A.W. Tozer makes it clear that he does not want to leave the impression that the ordinary means of grace have no value. They assuredly do. Private prayer should be practiced by every Christian. Long periods of Bible meditation will purify our gaze and direct it. Church attendance will enlarge our outlook and increase our love for others. Service and work and activity, all are good and should be engaged in by all Christians. 
But at the bottom of all these things, giving meaning to them, will be the inward habit of beholding God. A new set of eyes. A new set of eyes, so to speak, will develop within us. Enabling us to be looking at God while our outward eyes are seeing the scenes of this passing world. When the habit of inwardly gazing Godward becomes fixed within us, we shall be ushered onto a new level of spiritual life, more in keeping with the promises of God and the mood of the New Testament. Who knows what the preacher says? The church has been closed since March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Post jazz, my dude, what's going on in the chat? Might be wrong. Thank you everyone for tuning in and showing up. Ended the Instagram stream. Um, so we're just here. It's telling me I'm offline. It's telling me my chat's offline, but thank you guys for posting in the chat. So I know that it's not. <laughs> So I know that I am streaming. I'm just on my computer. It's telling me I'm not. Um, yeah. Who knows what the preacher says? The church has been closed since March. I know. Coming up on one year of all the churches closing because Satan told them to. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Yeah, that's my, fa that's my favorite proverb for sure. It's one of my favorite passages in the, in the whole Bible. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Yeah. Get rid of yourself. Get rid of your inward gaze and focus upon God. Trust and rely on God. Know that he is sovereign. Know that he is good and righteous and true and beautiful and be obedient and subservient to him and always constantly focus your gaze upon him and his loving eyes, his beautiful eyes will focus back and life will be amazing. It'll be amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, yeah, send me qu ch questions and chat stuff in the chat or just keep talking to yourself. So that's cool too. Someone was ranting in my Instagram stream about like white people and black people and I'm not getting into a racial debate. <laughs> so I just ended my Instagram chat. Um, so my homies here, my, my dudes, my regulars, my mods, everyone here in my chat, send me questions and topics and stuff you want to hear me talk about. But I'm going to keep moving along here. Um, one final section and then a final thought and then we'll call it a day. Let me pick up my place here. Because this ends well. And again, if you are tuning in just now, post-jazz might be wrong. I am discussing the book, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. It's an amazing read. I think all Christians should read it. I'm going through a lot of his quotes, a lot of his themes and topics, and kind of adding my own paraphrasing, my own wording, and my own uh, thoughts kind of in between the lines here. Yeah. It's my favorite proverb. I read this before every Bible study to remind myself to put myself into the scripture. Yes. Proverbs 3, 5. Probably one of the most important things. Be still and know God, which we just talked about. And trust in the Lord with all your heart, not your own understanding. Those are probably two of the most important things. 
other than fear not, which is told to us, uh, I believe 360 times in the Bible. <laughs> do not have fear. Do not have fear. I did not give you a spirit of fear. The Lord did not create you with a spirit of fear. All you pastors with closed churches coming up on a year of being closed and face masked. Um, the Lord did not give you a spirit of fear and you cannot serve two masters. So ask yourself, who are you serving by closing your church and putting a mask on your face and your church members face who are you serving truly do not rely on your own understanding <laughs> do not let the people of this world tell you what to do know and trust in your Lord fear not do not rely on your own understanding but trust the Lord with all your heart soul and might and be still and know that he is God you know, just some really important things that God tells us, <laughs> that the living God tells us in his recorded word. Um, you know, just some of those things. We'll finish up. This is the last section of his book. It's called The Sacraments of Living. From 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Do everything for the glory of God. Everything. One of the greatest hindrances to internal peace, which the Christian encounters, is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. As these areas are conceived to exist apart from each other and to be morally and spiritually incompatible, and as we are compelled by the necessities of living to be always crossing back and forth from the one to the other. Our inner lives tend to break up so that we live a divided instead of unified life. Our trouble comes from just being Christians. Our trouble comes from just being Christians. As those who follow inhabit two worlds the spiritual and the natural as children of adam we live our lives on earth subject to the limitations of the flesh and the weaknesses and ills to which human nature is heir to live amongst men requires years of hard toil and much care and attention to the things of this world in sharp contrast to this is our life in the spirit, our life in the spirit. There we enjoy another and higher kind of life. We are children of God. We possess heavenly status and enjoy intimate fellowship with Christ. Intimate fellowship with Christ. Our life can easily become divided into two parts if we are not vigilant. One set of actions devoted to a feeling of satisfaction and firm assurance that they are pleasing to God. Sacred acts like prayer, Bible reading, hymn singing, church attendance, and other acts that result directly from our faith. Excuse me. Over against these sacred acts are the secular ones. 
They include all of the ordinary activities of life that we share with the sons and daughters of Adam. Eating, sleeping, drinking coffee, working, looking after the needs of the body and performing dull and routine duties here on earth. These acts we often do reluctantly and with many misgivings, often apologizing to God for what we consider a waste of time and strength. We become uneasy with this and go about our common tasks with a feeling of deep frustration, telling ourselves that a better day is coming when we are released from this earthly shell and bothered no more with the affairs of this world. Most Christians get caught in this trap. They try to walk a tightrope between two kingdoms, and they end up finding peace in neither. Their strength is reduced, their outlook confused, and their joy taken from them. This trap is unnecessary, wasteful, damaging, and unbiblical. The Lord Jesus Christ himself is our perfect example, and he knew no divided life. Our Lord knew no divided life. In the presence of his Father, he lived on earth without strain from babyhood to his death on the cross. God accepted the offering of his total life and made no distinction, no distinction between act and act. I do always the things that please him, was his brief summary of his own life as it related to the Father. I do always the things that please him. As he moved among men, he was poised and restful. The pressure and suffering he endured grew out of his position as the world's sin-bearer. They were never the result of moral uncertainty or spiritual maladjustment. Our Lord took upon him a real human body, lived in that body here among men, and never once performed a non-sacred act. His presence in human flesh sweeps away forever the evil notion that there is about the human body being something innately offensive to the deity, to our maker. God created our bodies, and we do not offend him by placing the responsibility where it belongs. He is not ashamed of the work of his own hands. The Lord is not ashamed of the work of his own hands. Perversion, misuse, and abuse of our human powers should give us cause enough to be ashamed, however, as bodily acts done in sin and contrary to nature can never honor God. Wherever the human will introduces moral evil, we have no longer our innocent and harmless powers as God made them. We have instead an abused and twisted thing which can never bring glory to its creator. We need no more be ashamed of our body, the fleshly servant that carries us through life, 
Then Jesus was of the humble beast upon which he rode into Jerusalem. The Lord hath need of him. The Lord hath need of him. Can apply to our mortal bodies. For if Christ dwells in us, we may bear about the Lord of glory, as the little beast did of old, and give occasion, <laughs> I spelled whatever that word is, occasion, to the multitudes to cry, Hosanna in the highest. That we see this truth is not enough. That we see this truth is not enough. We must practice living to the glory of God, actually and determinedly, by meditation upon this truth, by taking it over with God often in our prayers, talking it over with God in our prayers, by recalling it in our minds frequently as we move about and among men, a sense of its wondrous meaning will begin to take hold of us. Long-held habits do not die easily, and it will take intelligent thought and a great deal of reverent prayer to escape completely from the sacred secular psychology. Rejecting despair, loving all people and all of God's plan, knowing your place in the story, and giving thanks in all of the moments to your Creator, will thrust you onto the right course going forward. We must take up the challenge with aggressive faith. We must offer all our acts to God and believe that he accepts them. Then hold firmly, then we must hold firmly to that position and keep insisting that every act of every hour of the day and night be included in the transaction. Keep reminding God in our times of private prayer that we mean every act for his glory. Then supplement those times by a thousand thought prayers as we go about the job of living. Let us practice the fine art of making every work a priestly ministration. Let us believe that God is in our simple deeds and learn to find him there, living and loving. The working class need never think of a humble task as being inferior to that of his minister or his preacher. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called and his work will be as sacred as the work of the ministry it is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular it is why he does it the motive is everything let a man sanctify the lord god in his heart and he can thereafter do no common act all, all he does, all he does is good and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For such a man, living itself will be sacramental and the whole world 
a sanctuary. His whole life will be a priestly ministration as he performs his never so simple task. He will hear the voice of the seraphim saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. Bedridden bear, what's going on? Thank you for tuning in. Hope all is well. Hope all is going well for you in that bed. <laughs> yeah, hope you're crushing. Even in your bed, even in your house, make all of what you do a holy moment. Give everything you can to the glory of God. Every little communication you have with the world, which I know you have had, Bedridden Bear. I don't know your whole story. I've heard a lot. And I've heard a lot of good things. And I've heard a lot of um, meaningful things you've done from that bed of yours. <laughs> from that bed that you're ridden in. Make everything you do a holy moment. Make everything you do, every word from your mouth, every act of your body, bring glory to God in some way. Um, Thank you and you as well. Motive is everything. Truth bomb. Exactly. Doesn't matter what you do. It's how you do it. It's why you do it. Pray and praise. Yes. We're right on. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you didn't catch the whole thing, go back and watch it. Um, I'm about to post it on my channels. Give me an hour or two. For those here live, it will be on my channels, bitshoot.com slash Planet, on my YouTube channel, and on my podcast channels, wherever you get your podcasts, um, search for Sean B. Planet. Yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Loving the readings on Barely Believable Tales. What is that? Send, send me that, whatever that is. <laughs> is that an Instagram account or something, or some live stream or some podcast? Barely believable tales. Send me that info. Slide into my DMs with that info. Um, but yeah, we'll end it. We'll end this. Thank you guys, my dudes, my mods, set of Acanthus. Thank you. I love you all. I truly just love you all. <laughs> Keep crushing. Keep bringing glory to the Lord. Keep spreading the logos in your heart and outside of it, elsewhere. Spread it. Spread the truth and the love of God in all of your dealings, in all of your happenings, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. Do that this week for me. There's one, I have a homework assignment for you guys. Spread truth and love <laughs> in the world and bring glory to God with all of your actions, with all of your heart, with all of your thoughts, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your might. YouTube, Sean. Um, AJ Rhino and myself are narrating books. That's dope. YT, is that YouTube? I'll check it out. Hey, Bedroom Bear, slide into my DMs and uh, send me the link to that. I would love to check it out. I'd love to like promote it, too, on my next stream. Keep it up. Thanks for the word today. You got it. No worries. I'll be back next week. I have a guest, uh, Sabo, Sabo Bear. I call him Sabo, but I think it's Sabo. It might be Sabo, like Sabo, Sabo Tour.
but Sabo's coming on the stream. He used to do live streams. He has an awesome story and some, some interesting thoughts and perspectives. So I think next week, if all things work out, Sabo Bear is coming on my stream, 10 a.m. Saturday morning. What would that be? Like the um, 20th, I think, 19th or 20th. Um, Sabo, Saboteur Bear, Sabo Bear is coming on the stream. And then after that, I'm off a week. And then after that, I have these awesome girls coming on, these awesome Christian girls that have their own podcast coming on in uh, March. So I got some cool guests coming up. Nice, sweet. I got the link. Slid in, post jazz, slide into my DMs with some links. Thank you, my, thank you, brother. Thank you, everyone in the chat. I, I end today by saying this. And then we'll, we'll call it a day. I'll play out some Sunday service again. We'll jam out. We can dance out to that song again. That's like my new favorite song in the world. Um, don't really trust Kanye West. I don't know. I go back and forth trusting him and, and not. But his music is amazing. His, music, his gospel music has been amazing. Uh, I've been really getting into it lately. Can't really trust. Don't know and can't trust the man. But love and appreciate his works. Um, yeah. So go now, all you fine, beautiful, true, loving children of God. Go now and pursue a relationship with your creator. Reconnect with him spiritually and live out that connection to him constantly in all of the moments of your life. The exciting ones and the boring ones. The pleasurable ones and the painful ones. The enjoyable and the miserable ones, all of the above, all of the moments you are given, you have been given, you will be given, the one you're living in right now. Bring glory to God in all of your moments. Use all of your life and being to bring God glory. Your creator, your maker, the one who loves you, the one who is true. And seek to perform acts that are good, true, and beautiful. God is alive. He is our creator and that of everything. We must seek out his spirit and live with it in our hearts now and forever. Pray, meditate, read the Bible, go to church, repent of your sins, forgive the sins of all those around you, and return to your true Father, who is waiting there for you with open and loving arms, now and forever. I love you guys. I truly love you guys. Everyone here with me live, everyone who supports me or not, anyone out there, I love you, truly. For we need to love all of God's creation. Um, and have a great week. Go out and do some good, true, and beautiful things in the world this week. I'll be back this time next Saturday. Um, and yeah, do beautiful things with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might. Pursue a life with God. Do good, be good, love, and be loved. Take care.
A lot of my artwork comes from a good man and friend of mine, Timmy J. Follow him on Instagram at S-W-I-T-C-H-B-A-X. His company Mountain Folk is amazing. They promote artists, they create mesmerizing art, and they sell comfy clothing that helps support groups that are fighting against human trafficking. Be sure to follow at F-O-L-K-M-T-N on Instagram, as well as at M-T-N-F-O-L-K-S-H-O-P, and be sure to shop at mtn.folk.shop. This is not a paid ad, just help good people do good things. Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel 
on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and BitChute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at seanbillplanet.com.